I want us to read from the book of John chapter 8 and verse number 31 and Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 to 22 as we discuss the subject the making of a disciple the making of a disciple John chapter 8 and verse number 31 then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed in Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 to 22 the Bible says and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee so two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. In the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He caught them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Praise the Lord. The making of a disciple. First of all, let's remind ourselves here. Who is a disciple in general terms? Who is a disciple? Number one, a disciple is a convinced adherent to the doctrines of another. A convinced adherent to the doctrines of another. Someone who having been convinced adheres to the doctrines of another. That is a disciple. Number two, a disciple in general terms is one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. One who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. The doctrines he has accepted. He has not just accepted the doctrines. He also participates in propagating. In spreading those doctrines that he has accepted. Number three. Who is a disciple? A disciple is one who receives or professes to receive instruction from another. One who receives or professes to receive instruction from another. That is a disciple. And I want you to be 
thinking about this in the context of you being a disciple of Jesus. I said, I want you to think about the definitions of a disciple that I'm giving us in the context of your own calling and placement as a disciple of Jesus. We are saying, number one, that a disciple is a convinced adherent to the doctrines of another. Are you a convinced adherent to the doctrines of Christ? To the doctrines of Christ. Secondly, we are saying that a disciple is one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. Thirdly, we are saying that a disciple is one who receives or professes to receive instruction from another. Number four, a disciple is a devoted or call him a committed follower. A committed follower. A committed follower. I hope we'll have time to discuss what that followership concept is all about. But first of all, let's look at key facts on discipleship. Key facts on discipleship. Number one, the main mission of the church is not just to evangelize and bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus, but to make disciples of all the nations. The main mission of the church is not just to evangelize and bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus, but to turn them into disciples. To turn them into disciples. There are many people today who profess Christ, but who are not his disciples. There's a difference between receiving Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. While the process of discipleship begins with receiving Jesus or new birth or being born again, but that in itself does not make you a disciple. Does not make you a disciple. In the passage we read, John chapter 8 and verse number 31, Jesus speaking to the Jews who believed him. What did he say? He said, if you abide in my word, my God, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You are my disciples indeed. Why is he adding the word indeed? That means it is possible to be a fake disciple. It is possible to be a disciple who is not a true, genuine disciple. Unfortunately, 
that is where many Christians stand. They are not genuine disciples of the master. Somebody shout hallelujah. In Matthew 28 and verse 19, you know the passage. Matthew 28 and verse 19. The Bible says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It says, Go therefore and make disciples, not just converts. Many are ordinary converts who have made a confession of Christ. They were told to lift their hands and to follow the preacher in a prayer of confession. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and come into my heart. Be the Lord and the Savior of my soul. Be the Lord and the Savior of my soul. That is all they did. But they were never helped to become disciples of Jesus. That is why we have unruly Christians in the church. People that will not listen to doctrine. People who will not abide by the doctrines and the standards of Christ. Because they are not disciples. They are not disciples. Sure, they will be discussing the qualities of a true disciple. And then you gauge for yourself whether you are one or not. Somebody shout hallelujah. Secondly here. Is the fact that the goal of discipleship is for those who believe in Christ to look like him. The goal of discipleship is for those who believe in Christ Jesus to look like him. To look like him. So discipleship is about the believer. Being transformed into a follower of Christ who looks like him. So we are talking about image. Somebody shout image. Say that again, image. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, what does it say? The Bible says, but we all... With unveiled face, beholding us in a mirror, hear this, the glory of the Lord are being transformed, hear this, into the same image, the image of Christ, from glory to glory. The question is, as a believer, whose image are you? Whose image are you? The core of discipleship is turning or transforming someone who has believed in Jesus into that image. The image of Christ. The character of Christ. The standards of Christ. The values of Christ. 
The Bible speaking in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2. The Bible says, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Transform means change of form. Change of form. We cannot look like the world anymore. No. No. We must be the image of Christ. The image of Christ. The image of Christ. And when people want to know and understand how Christ looks like, we are the people they must look at to understand and interpret the image of Christ. Is it making sense here? The meaning is, believing alone is not enough. Many people are believers, but they are not disciples. You know, James is teaching matters of faith and works. And he says in James chapter 2 verse 19, James chapter 2, and verse 19, he said, you believe that there is one God. He says, you believe. Yes, I know that you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even that demons believe. So do something that a demon cannot do. A demon cannot look like Christ. But at least a demon can believe. So in discipleship, we do things that Demons cannot do. Is it making sense? Says if you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even demons believe and they shudder, they tremble. Demons believe, they have faith. But they cannot look like Christ. So believing alone is not enough. Say that to your neighbor. Believing alone is not enough. Do more than believing. Become a disciple. Become a disciple. Become a disciple. Somebody shout hallelujah. Quickly here, what are the qualities of a true or genuine disciple? What are the qualities of a true disciple? I'll give you seven of them very quickly. Number one, faith in Christ Jesus. We are not saying believing is not part of it. But we are saying believing alone is not enough. So we begin with believing. Faith in Christ Jesus. Faith in Christ Jesus. If we may get back to John chapter 8 and verse number 31. Who did Jesus speak to? When he said, if you continue in my word, that is abiding in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Who was he addressing? Who was he speaking to? The Bible says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed. Hallelujah. So you are not registered as a disciple unless you believe. So true disciples are believers. They believe in Jesus. 
They have strong faith in him. They are well grounded in the faith. They are well grounded in their faith in Christ Jesus. Grounded in their faith in Christ Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. That means if you want to remain a true disciple of Jesus, one of your greatest concentrations must be to build your faith. Because we know that without faith, it is impossible, not difficult, but impossible to please him. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. It is not possible to please God without faith. Without faith. That is why we have said times without number in this house that faith is our lifeline. Say that with me. Faith is my lifeline. The Bible speaking in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 4. Habakkuk chapter 2. And verse number four, the last part of that verse, it says, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. In Romans chapter one and verse number 17, you know, Paul speaking, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That is verse number 16. For it is the power of God unto salvation. And in verse number 17, he said, Romans 8 and verse number 17, he says, For in it, meaning in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, where? In the book of Habakkuk 2, 4, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The believer, the disciple shall live by faith. You are not a true disciple if you're a doubter. If you're a doubter of his doctrines, if you're a doubter of his promises, if you're a doubter of his faithfulness and abilities to help you out, you are not a true disciple if you're a doubter. That is why every child of God must concentrate on building his faith. Building his faith. Somebody shout, I will build my faith. Hallelujah. And we have taught you before how to build your faith. Number one, you build your faith by exercising the word of God. We call it obedience. Faith is built primarily on the platform of what? Obedience. Romans chapter 1. I mean, Romans chapter 10, verse number 17. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. So then, faith comes. How does faith come? It says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And the hearing is talking about there is the hearing of obedience. I've said that before. The hearing of obedience. Because if you ask someone to do something and they are not doing it, and then you talk to them again second time, for example, get me a cup of water. And somebody says yes, and they are not bringing it. You say it the second time. You say it the third time. 
and the fellow's not doing it, what do you say? Why are you not hearing? Am I saying the truth here? You tell your child that the deadline for arriving home is 6 p.m. And the fellow persistently and consistently comes home around 8 p.m. When you sit that guy down, what do you say to him? Why are you not hearing? Are you telling me that he's deaf? Are you telling me that he didn't hear what you told him? So this time when you're asking him to say, why are you not hearing? You are talking about the hearing of adherence. The hearing of alignment. The hearing of obedience. So when the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it's talking about the hearing of practicing the scriptures. If you don't exercise the word of God, if you don't obey the word of God, if you don't apply what God is telling you to do, you cannot grow in your faith. You can't. Because faith grows by obedience. I'm talking to you, shout hallelujah. I said shout hallelujah. Anyways, qualities of a true disciple. Number one, faith in Christ Jesus. Number two, teachableness. Qualities of a true disciple. The second one is teachableness. Anyone who calls themselves a Christian who is not teachable is not a true disciple. Discipleship has more to do with being teachable than anything else. Than anything else. Unfortunately, we have so many Christians in the church that are not teachable. Because if the teachings we give you are not changing you, you are not a teachable fellow. You are a stubborn person. Jesus is talking to them. I mean, Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 29. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 29. What does he say? He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. I told you who a disciple is. A disciple is someone who is convinced about the doctrines of another. He is convinced about the doctrines of another. Learning. Discipleship is about learning at Jesus' feet. Learning at Jesus' feet. That is why he taught them in that John 8 and verse number 31. He said, if you abide in my word. Can I have that verse in the King James Version? John chapter 8 and verse number 31. He said, if you continue in my word, NIV, New International Version, it said, if you hold on to my teaching, if you hold on to my teaching, that means you are the student, he is the teacher. That is why he was called Rabbi. 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 A rabbi is a teacher. In discipleship, we are taught the things of the spirit. We are taught the things of the spirit. 
And if you are not a teachable person, unfortunately, so many people are not teachable. If you are not a teachable person, you cannot be a genuine or true disciple. So the second quality of a true disciple is teachableness. Being apt and willing to learn from Christ. And I can tell you that Jesus himself was an excellent willing learner. Jesus, I believe, is our chief disciple. Our chief disciple. Our chief disciple. Because he talks about being taught of the Father. John 8 and 28. John 8 and 28. He talks about being taught of the Father. He said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And that I do nothing of myself. Now hear this. But... As my father taught me, I speak these things. As my father taught me, as my father taught me, as my father taught me, as my father taught me. Who is teaching you? Disciples are taught by Jesus. But who is teaching you the manner of life, the manner of attitude, and the manner of values that you are upholding in your life? Values that are not helping you at all. Who is teaching you? If it is not Jesus teaching you, then it is the devil and the world teaching you. Mm. Because God asked Adam in the garden of Eden. He said, who told you that you are naked? Who told you? I thought I was the only one talking to you. It looks like somebody else is also talking to you. I have never told you at any point in our interaction that you are a naked person. Somebody must have been teaching you of late. Somebody must have been teaching you wrong information, wrong stuff, wrong things. Why are people depressed? It's because they are hearing from a wrong teacher. That they are good for nothing. That they are hated. No one likes them. And they have tended to accept it. And that is why they are gliding into depressions. It is wrong. A disciple learns only from one source. And that source is Jesus. A disciple is taught only of one teacher. And that teacher is Jesus. He said, learn from me. Learn from me. Learn from me. If you hold on to my teachings. And in Matthew chapter 7, you know the story. Verses 24 to 27. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 24 to 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Discipleship is, the, is about hearing the sayings of Jesus. Hearing the sayings of Jesus and aligning with those sayings. When he talks about doing those sayings, he's simply talking about the spirit of teachableness. That you are able to adjust. You need to be flexible with Jesus. Especially when he's teaching you things that 
will require you to change or to adjust how you do whatever it is that you're doing. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, being teachable is really about allowing Jesus to exercise lordship over your life. Acts 2.36. It is really about allowing Jesus to exercise his lordship upon your life. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, my God, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Not only is he a savior, he's also Lord. That is, he's a ruler. He must be allowed to reign in the affairs of your life. Lordship there will mean that you must allow Jesus to override your opinions, feelings, and preferences. He must be allowed to override your opinions. This is what I think I should do. If Jesus says, no, you can't do it, you align accordingly. That's lordship. For so many people, Jesus is a savior, but not lord of their lives. He saved them from sin, but he is yet to be allowed lordship. Over the lives of so many people he has saved. And it is most likely that you are one of those fellows. Who is yet to allow Jesus to exercise lordship over your life. That is why you continue to behave in a certain way. You continue to manage your life in a certain way. In a way that does not align with the dictates of the master. My sheep hear my voice, but he don't hear it. That means you're not his sheep. Now, according to the Bible, those who are supposed to hear his voice and they are not hearing it, they are called what? Gods. So seated here are sheep, others are gods. Ask your neighbor, sheep or God? Ask whatever, sheep or goat? Talk to your neighbor. I said, ask your neighbor, sheep or goat? Sheep or goat? Please find someone, tell them, I hope I'm not sitting next to a goat. I hope I'm not sitting next to a goat here. Christians who are not teachable are called gods in the Bible. They are gods. And what I'm talking about has nothing to do with the office you're holding in the church. You may be a pastor, but a god pastor. A god pastor. A god husband. Hmm? A God child, a God wife. There are some mothers here that are God mothers. Hallelujah. Number three, 
qualities of a true disciple. Alignment. That's number three. Number one, faith in Christ Jesus. Number two, teachableness. Number three, alignment. Alignment. Alignment or adherence. Adherence. Alignment there should be understood to mean the desire to please God and the drive to pattern our lives after him. The desire, the propensity, the drive to want to please God at all times. The desire to please God and pattern our lives after him. Alignment. That is one of the major qualities of discipleship. Alignment. That is why they nicknamed them Christians. Christians in Antioch. They nicknamed them Christians. It was a funny way of calling followers of Jesus because they looked very much like him. Hallelujah. So in trying to make fun of them, they called them what? Christians. Because they look like their master. They are brutal like their master. They are, they are prayerful like their master. They are committed to soul winning like their master. They are working miracles, signs and wonders like their master. And they also said they are stubborn like their master. Because you remember in, in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 13. In Acts chapter 4 and verse number 13. The Bible says now, when they saw the boldness, call it the arrogance of Peter and John. And they perceived that they were uneducated. They were untrained. In other words, the more educated you are, the more arrogant you become if you're not careful. They said the kind of stubbornness and arrogance that these gentlemen have is only evident in those that are highly educated. So that is why they were surprised. There is no education. There is no English. And yet they are so adamant. What is that? So they said, no. Some of, some of them, they said, no. They had been with Jesus. Because it was only Jesus who manifested this kind of behavior. Because they called Jesus a stubborn fellow. Very arrogant in their understanding. But it was not arrogance. It was courage coupled with boldness and fearlessness. Based on the fact that he knew exactly what his mission was. The son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he was focused on that mission. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the conclusion of the matter in that Acts 4, 13. Was that they realized. Put it back on the screen. Let me read it. It says now. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled. Obviously, they marveled. They said they don't have 
anything that could have motivated them to behave in this manner. So what could it, could it be? And the Bible says they realized that these two men, Peter and John, had been with Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. They were with Jesus and their behavior and ministerial conduct aligned to the ministerial conduct and behavior of Jesus. When they looked at them, their boldness was congruent to the boldness of Christ. Alignment. It's only you who is not looking like Christ, my friend. And you call yourself a Christian. Young people, think of it. If Jesus was a young person like yourself and he found a lover, somebody to marry, let's think of it. Do you think Jesus would be busy kissing that girl? No, no, no. And touching his breasts, her breasts, and having sex with that girl before marriage? Think of it. Stop this nonsense and stupidity that you're doing. Is it making sense here? Do you think Jesus would be busy using his eyes to watch pornographic videos and pictures? Never, sir. Never, sir. And don't blame the devil for what you're doing. It's because you have chosen to be stupid. And there is someone, you have a wife, a proper wife, and you see the fellow is going to the toilet to masturbate. What is your problem? Are you that confused? Come on. I know somebody may be saying, Pastor, there are younger people here. Why, why are you using such language? You can only say that if you are also stupid. Because if you may sit down with your 10-year-old child, eh? just to ask the, the child to, you know, just share knowledge with you, you will be shocked that that fellow knows more than you do. In any case, if you had interest to see their notes that they write in school as primary school fellows, eh, then you, will have been, you should have been thanking me that I'm also talking about this. Because in primary school, our children are taught all the parts of the human being, including the ones that you don't want me to mention. Yes. If you don't believe me, ask your child to say, okay, can you teach me or can you just tell us what you learn in school about the various parts of a human body? Yeah. You'll be shocked that one of the drawings that your child will be drawing will be to do with the parts that you don't want pastor to mention. So I will not mention those parts.
Hallelujah. You see, don't be too cultural. You would destroy your family. You would rather be open with your children and talk to them about anything that anybody else could have talked to them about. Is it making sense? And don't leave such things to, to your neighbor or to some auntie. You know, auntie, I'm sending my daughter there so that you can uh, talk to her about one or two things. No, you sit down with your daughter and talk to her yourself. Is it making sense? Gone are the days when you used to send children to the village. To people that are not born again. And you want those people not born again to talk to your child. About what? About how to be a witch? Or a wizard? Or a thief? Come on. Talk to your children yourself. Is it making sense? Tell your neighbor, talk to your children yourself. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, the Bible says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now hear this. Verse number five. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now let me have verse number four again there. It says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. He does not entangle himself with the affairs of this life for one reason, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Beloved, as someone who is born again, you have been enlisted to be a disciple. Therefore, you cannot afford to entangle yourself in civilian affairs. Somebody shout, I'm not a civilian. I'm not a civilian. I am a disciple. Hallelujah. So a disciple is not driven by fashion. A disciple should not be driven by what? Fashion. What are they wearing now? What are they wearing now? Fashion will come and go. But the principles and the standards of God will remain sure. Is it making sense? Oh, now they are wearing short, short, short dresses. And they are also in short. You know, some people, now can I say this? And it is true. There are some ladies who only dress well in church. And they know it. They have clothes that they know themselves. That they cannot wear in church. So they don't wear. 
So you see that when he's coming to church, ah, no, no, wow. Long dress. Meet her on Monday. Especially when they meet pastor. Hey! It's like the earth should open and swallow them. Hey, pastor! I don't, ah, what are you doing? <laughs> when they bump into pastor accidentally. Ay, 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 pastor! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Tell your neighbor, dress well, dress well, dress well, dress well. Tell your neighbor, dress like a disciple. Because if you tell yourself that you have dressed up and you are not comfortable when you meet certain people, then there is something wrong with your dressing. Yeah. And some people they will dress whatever whatever it is and then well, they are sitting down in meetings. You see as they are sitting down like this, the dress is climbing higher. <laughs> Up to here. And you see them doing this? It means it is not a correct dress. It is not a correct skirt. Otherwise, why are you doing this? Or some people will take their, you know, professional women. They have tablets. So they will put like this and tablet here. Ah! <laughs> It shows that the thing is exposing parts you don't want people to see. Therefore, you should have, in the first place, just made up your mind to wear something that would have covered every part that should not be exposed. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, I have faith in Christ Jesus. I am teachable and I am aligned to Christ. You know, Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8, verses 28 to 29. We looked at verse 28, but let's read it again before we move to 29. I don't know if we did. But it says, then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And that I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I speak these things. Now, verse 29. Now, hear this. And he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone. For I have always, it says, for I always do those things that please him. That's discipleship. Always doing those things that please him. Alignment. That's the principle of alignment. Adherence. Always. How often? Always. How long? Always. How frequent? Always. 
always doing those things that please him. When you are at your house, alone with your wife and your husband, doing those things that please him. The way you talk to your wife, the way you talk to your husband, the way you talk to your children, hmm? always doing those things that please him. The way you manage your resources, the way you transact at your place of business, the way you work at your office, always doing those things that please him. Is it making sense here? 1 John chapter 3 verse 22. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 22. The Bible says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments, that's one side, and also because we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That is where our greatest challenge is. We are not able to always do those things that please him. And we are surprised that certain things are not working. It's because we don't please him always. Pleasing him must be always for those who want to be true disciples. I'm talking to you, shout hallelujah. Number four, qualities of a true disciple. Now hear this. Denial of self and voluntary yoke taking. Denial of self and voluntary yoke taking. Denial of self and voluntary yoke taking. I'll give you scriptures. Beginning with Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 and Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29. We've been there. The Bible says and he said to them. Or. So this requirement is for everyone who is interested to be his disciple. If anyone desires to come after me. Jesus is saying if anyone wants to be my disciple. This is the requirement for everyone without exception. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. Daily. And then you can follow me. If you are not willing to deny yourself. And if you are not willing, my God, to carry your cross on daily basis, then you are not ready to be my disciple. That is what Jesus taught us. And that should explain why some of you are not true disciples. Because you value self more than Jesus. And you are too lazy to carry your cross 
on daily basis. Some of you only carry your cross on Sunday morning like this. When you come to church, very angelic. Mm, angelic faces. And when you lift your hands, and then, then you begin to shake them. My God. But beyond that, sir, you are not ready to carry his cross. And therefore, you cannot be a true follower of Jesus. Is it making sense? Hallelujah. I don't have time. Maybe we'll have another session where we will discuss this thing that Jesus is calling self. S-E-L-F. Somebody shout S-E-L-F. Self. Say that self. He says, for those who want to be followers of Jesus, they have to do something with this Mr. Self or Sister Self. Because this sister, this brother called Self will compete with Christ in demanding followership from you. So we'll not talk about that today. I'm just giving you one of the reasons why you must come back next time. Because if you do not deny self what it wants, it will not be possible for you to follow Christ. In a nutshell, self means everything that makes you, you. I am a woman. Do you know that some people's problem is that they are a woman? Their pride in the fact that is in the fact that they are a woman. So even the move. <laughs> I am a woman. I have a PhD. All these constitute what? Self. I come from, let's say, which district? Okay, I come from Karonga. Karonga is like, you know, we are from Karonga. Some people say, you know, we are Angonis. So the reason why he's oppressing his wife is because he's a what? Angoni. We are Angonis. You have to be very careful. <laughs> yeah. I am a graduate of UNIMA. Not these new universities like Mzuni. No, no, no. We are from original 
Unima. Not, not even this broken down one. No, we, the original one, we are from Unima. I am a father of three children. So how can you tell me that my responsibility in the church is to clean up toilet? I am a father of how many? Three. Is it that you are a pastor that you just send people anywhere, anyhow? Self. Self. Now, now. If I told you, direct, say, Brother Brown, shut up. How would you feel inside? That thing inside you, that will make you feel like, why is he talking to me like this in the church? That is what? Self. God says, if you are going to be a true disciple, and follower of Jesus, you must deny self is demands. Hmm? No reaction. You are stupid, sir. Sit down. Okay, sir. No reaction. Even where your wife says after service, how could pastor call you in the service that you are stupid? Sit down. You even before she will ask, say, ah, what happened in church? They say, hey, shut up. You are not going to say anything. Is it making sense? But if you go home and you say, honey. I think we have to review our membership in this church. <laughs> Mr. Self is now what? Dictating. Hallelujah. Self will include that thing in you that makes you, when you come to church like this, to scratch the chair. The chair to see whether it is huh? properly what? I don't know how many of you did it. <laughs> Before you see it, you see. because you, you are putting yourself at a level. Hallelujah. And some of you, when you come to church like this, whether you are late or not, you want to sit front row. Whether you are late or not, some, some usher must move someone so you, you must take the front row. Front. There is something in you that tells you that you cannot sit in the third row. Hallelujah. Self. Is that thing in you that makes you to wake up at night to think about how your husband spoke to you the previous day. And then you look at him because he's fast asleep. <laughs> Say, should I hit him? <laughs> S- 
himself. Jesus says, if you want to be his disciple, you must, number one, deny yourself. Number two, carry your cross daily. Then you can follow him. Somebody shout hallelujah. Some of you, your own pride is in the fact that your husband is a chief executive. Yeah. You know, we are highly privileged. It's not many <laughs> whose husbands are in higher powers. I'm one of them. And those of you who come late to church when other people's cars are already parked. When you pack your own and you scatter your eyes around. Your pride is that we are the only ones in this church with a very powerful car. We've seen the cars around. Ours can buy maybe seven, eight, ten cars of others. Self. So many of you are being driven by this Mr. Self. Not Christ, but self. Not Christ, but self. Somebody shout hallelujah. So we need to discuss things like how do I deny self? We'll talk about that later, but let's proceed with our current discussion. Voluntary yoke taking, Matthew eleven twenty nine. I've given you that one. Voluntary yoke taking. Now put it there. Jesus said, "Take my yoke." Now in verse number thirty. He is now giving us a description of his yoke. He says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. I don't know how a burden can be light, but that is what Jesus said. That his yoke is easy. There are other yokes, but his own is easy. Now, taking his yoke is a practice of consistently adhering to his standards, values, and practices. That is, that is his yoke. The standards, the values, the doctrines, if you like. That's what we call them in the Bible. The doctrines of Christ. The practice of consistently yielding to the doctrines of Christ is what he is calling take my yoke. Number five, qualities of a true disciple. Number five, love for the brethren. Love for one another as Christians. John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. 
John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you. What is that commandment? That you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35. Now here it is. By this, that is, when you love one another, all people will know that you are my disciples. People will know that you are disciples of Jesus. Not when they hear you speak in other tongues. Or God, when they see you going to church. Or when they see you carrying gospel tracts from house to house. No. He says people are going to know. And he's talking about all. All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Is it making sense here? And I want to say this. That love is not genuine if it lacks action, concern, practical help, and empathy. Love is not genuine if it is devoid of action, concern, practical help. And empathy. 1 John chapter 3 verse 18. 1 John chapter 3 verse 18. Let us not love in word or in tongue only. But in deed. In action. In truth. Our love must not be in word or tongue. But indeed, for God so loved the world, and he gave proof of that love. So love that lacks proofs is fake. If you say that you love someone, let there be proof of that love. And the proof of love is what? action and this action may be concern empathy and practical help for God so loved the world the world that had sinned the world that had departed from his presence so he sent his only begotten son to help correct the situation to help correct the situation. To help correct the situation. That is true love. And Paul has given us a clear description of how genuine love looks like, isn't it? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Please write the verses down. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8. Don't, please don't come to church with the intention not to write. Huh? Because when we come to church, God speaks to us. And when he spoke to John, you remember what he told him. These things do what? Write. You are not right when you don't write in church. 
It's lessness. Not to write in church when God is speaking. It is what? Lessness. I'm just being polite. Otherwise, I would have said it is arrogance. If in the corporate world, we are told that if you have been called to admit, no, to, to, to your boss's office, you don't go without writing materials because there will be instructions there that you need to capture. That is your boss who can be angry and hungry. He doesn't have money. Maybe his marriage is not working, but you respect him so much that you carry your diary and your pen. Now, you are coming to the house of the king of kings. The one who takes custody of your soul. Others can only kill the body, but this one can kill your soul and send it to hell. You come to his house and you come with empty hands. You are telling him that I already know everything. I know somebody may be saying, it, you know, pastor, my brain is like a computer. It records. I have a recorder inside here. It's not true, sir. God could have caused John to supernaturally remember everything that was spoken to him in the book of Revelation. But he said, my friend, yes, we can work that miracle, but it's not necessary. That is why I gave you the ability to write. So these things, write. It's, it's, it's part of good discipleship to, to be taking notes when the teacher is teaching. Is it making sense here? And you know, there are some people who take offense. He was teaching on the making of a disciple, and then he was rebuking us for not writing. What kind of preacher is this? Instead of taking offense, why don't you change? Is it making sense? Just align. Discipleship is about aligning. If you are new in this church, we believe in writing here. And ask our people that have been here longer. They have got hardcovers, volumes of hardcover. Because we teach. Somebody shout hallelujah. And if you are watching me online, don't misbehave where you are. Because we are in church here. Are we taking tea here? No, no, no. Is anybody taking tea here? And you are watching at home and you are taking tea. You are listening to me. You are taking tea. It's wrong. That's why people are not benefiting much from watching services online. You remember when the COVID started and we were emphasizing more on online watching of services and the like. We gave guidelines on how to prepare for an online service. We included the fact that you, you put on church clothes, like the clothes you would have used if you went physically to church. Put them, put them on. Sit in a church setting 
and play your whatever, whether it is TV or your phone, play. Is it making sense? Yes, you must also have offering. There are so many people that watch us online, they just say that, Pastor, you're a big blessing. Come on, support the work of God. <laughs> support the work of God. Don't you think it is money for us to be streaming these services for you to be enjoying like that? And our people will be putting what? What do you call them? Payment details. You just watch them. Said, wow, wow. They have got several of them, man. Eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody shout, I will love the brethren. Please, if you can't love the brethren, you are sick. We must love the brethren. When you hear... Now, let me ask you this question. What is the best time to show love to someone? To demonstrate your love to a brother or a sister in the Lord. What do you think is the best time? Huh? Huh? You don't know? Okay, so what do you know? Tell me now. When they are in what? When they are going through issues, as they say. Huh? A brother has lost a job. That is the time to show that you really love the brother. You say, okay, brother, how much were you getting? I was getting 250,000. Okay. We will be giving you 250,000 until you get another job. That's love. Eh? Not just squeezing your eyes and say, let us pray. After you have prayed, try to mobilize something physical for the brother. You may not afford everything, but at least something that can help him, whether for a week or a month or whatever. Somebody shout hallelujah. Never say if something evil, if you like, happens to someone, never say we knew. Oh, it was clear. It was clear. Yeah. Some of us, we even had a dream. Ah. Tomorrow it may be you, my friend. And people who don't help others in the church, when they themselves are in a season of need, ah, yeah, yeah, they make a lot of noise. There's no love in this church. Who, who did you love yourself? What did you love yourself? There's no love in this church. There's no love in this church. Who are you to be auditing the love of the church? What is your name? Where, where do you come from? Where do you sleep? Who is your mother and your father? There's no love in this church. Who told you that? Are you the pastor of the church? If there is no love here, go to where you think they will love you. Let's see if they will love you. Yeah. Is it making sense? 
You know, when it is someone leading something, you can see all the wrong things. Eh? Just like you criticize the, the people that are leading us in this country. Ah, these people, can't they see what the rest of us are seeing? Uh -huh. Now, when we vote for you to sit on that seat, maybe you'll be the worst. We will also be asking, ah, ah, has the brother stopped seeing? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's appreciate one another and let us love one another. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, let us love one another. Even where you think somebody has done something wrong, the way you address it must show some level of what? Love. Everything should be done in the spirit of love. And it is love that should compel you even to reach out to a brother who is probably doing something wrong and appeal to them. Reason with him to say, brother, what you are doing is not right. Don't say no. Let it explode on him. That is not the spirit of love. Hallelujah. Number six. Qualities of a true disciple. We are now on number six. Focus, resolve, and determination to follow Christ. Focus, resolve, and determination in following Christ. Focus, resolve, and determination in following Christ. That's a true disciple. Job said, though he slays me, I'll still trust him. Resolve. In Job chapter 14 and verse number 14. If a man dies, Job 14, 14. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my heart service, I will wait. Till my change comes. That's resolve and determination. We are not going to be moved. It was Paul who put it this way in Romans chapter 8. Verses 35 to 39. Romans chapter 8. Verses 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecutions or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Now, all these things that Paul is listing in Romans 8 and verse number 35 are reasons enough for people to turn away from Christ. But he says, none of these are going to move us. In verse number 37. What does he say in verse number 37? 
He says, yet, in all these things that I have listed in verse number 35, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. We are not going to be moved. We are not going to be shaken. And the Bible speaking, I need to read this. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62. The Bible says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Verse 58. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. So Jesus was asking someone to be his disciple. And the fellow said, Lord, I am willing to be your disciple, but let me first go and bury my father. He allowed what we call destruction. Something to distract him from following Jesus. The death of his father. How many people are offended at God because he didn't do what they probably prayed about. The prayer could have been heal my father and the father died. So I will not follow you because you didn't help me concerning my father. <laughs> but Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. He says there is no amount of destruction. No amount of occurrence or development that should hinder you from following Jesus. You need that resolve. Whether he puts money in my pocket or not, I will follow this Jesus. Whether he gives me somebody to marry or not, I will follow this Jesus. Is it making sense here? Next verse, please. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell to those who are in my house. I will do it but let me first. The moment you say that, you, you, are, you are disqualified. Because if you want to be a disciple, Jesus must be first. Don't give him another first. He will give you a feast that will boot you out. Don't give him another first. As a disciple of Jesus, he is your first. So in verse 62... In conclusion, the matter that I mean the master said, but Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you put your hands on the plow, you see, the day you enlisted to be a believer, you put your hands on the plow. Focus on where the ridge is going. Hallelujah. Focus. Otherwise, can you imagine you put your hands on the plow or a ridger and then you are busy talking on the phone 
and the others are calling you from behind. You say, hello, hello. You see that, you see, your whatever you are doing will not be straight. Is it making sense? It will not be straight. So Jesus says, once you put your hands on the plow, focus on what is happening there. If a bee comes to sting you, don't remove your hands on the plow. Just endure the sting. Is it making sense here? Because if you try to do this, some of you are reacting to too many things. Reactions. My husband hasn't spoken to me well today. I'm not going to church. I'm not entering your car. The husband says, forgive me. Let's go to church. No, no, I'll just watch online. When probably on that day, God had programmed that I lay hand on you. Can I lay hand on you on, on internet? Huh? Is my hand omnipresent? Somebody shout hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, don't be emotional. Number seven, the last one. Submission, humility, and obedience. Submission, humility, and obedience. If these are missing in your life, you are not a true disciple of Jesus. We are talking about submission to him. Submission to the authority he has designated. Submission to the church. He has found it. Submission to the brethren that he has washed with his blood. Submission. 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 Humility. Humility. True disciples are humble because the master himself, their teacher, is humble. I gave you Matthew chapter 11, isn't it? Verse 29. Put it back there. Matthew 11. And verse number 29, he was humble. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. But some of you are proud in heart. Proud. Proud in heart. You know it. Proud, very proud. Of course, once in a while, there will be traces of humility. Especially when you come to church like this. But you know that naturally you are very proud. But Jesus. You see great people are humble. Check wherever you see a great person. They are generally humble. But small people. Very proud. Very proud. You see, sometimes when some people are walking, you say, ah, this is the move and the walk of a proud man. But you see, the fellow has nothing. He is proud, but he has nothing. Nothing, he has nothing. He is struggling with life, but he's very proud. His wife will be telling him, let's go and see pastor. He should pray for us. Ah, do you think pastor doesn't have problems? I know what to do. If you knew what to do, why are you struggling like this? Your wife wants to eat well. 
If you know what you are doing, then give her what she wants. Mr. Proud Brother. <laughs> you see, John chapter 5, verse 19 and verse number 30. John chapter 5, verse 19 and verse number 30. Now, in those verses, we see clearly that Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. He said, what I see the Father do, that is what I do. What I see the Father do, that is what I do. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse number 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us. Leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. That is what we are talking about. Submission, humility, obedience. It's about following the steps of Jesus. Following the steps of Jesus in suffering, in sacrifice. Suffering sacrifice denying of self quickly I still need to give you this last part of our discussion key tools for this for the disciple key tools for the disciple three of them very quickly number one the word of God the word of God call them instructions of the Lord knowledge discipleship is impossible without the word of God John 8 and verse number 31 Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 mm. he spoke to the Jews who had believed him he said, if you abide in my word. Other versions will say, if you continue in my teachings. 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 That is your greatest tool. Your greatest instrument. As a disciple. You need constant exposure to the word of God. By reading and studying your Bible. By reading spiritual books and by listening to messages, sermons that are preached in the house of God. And in terms of audio sermons, you'll find them on our podcast, the Pastor Esau Banda podcast and Podbean. videos you don't have to buy them because they are a lot on YouTube the pastor Esau Banda YouTube channel pastor Esau Banda Facebook page the PICC Facebook page there are all kinds the other time I was discussing with some brothers about 
a certain song that the press team sang. That was with one of our pastors, I think Pastor Diamond. He scrolled back to the time we we're having these services during the COVID season, around 2020, about 2020, 2020. He was scrolling, try, trying to play various videos to see whether, you know, so all, all the videos dating from way back, you find them on YouTube, on Facebook. Is it making sense here? So please be a true disciple. And as a true disciple, you must be a lover of the teachings of Jesus. A lover of the word of God. Listen to the word. Watch videos. Read books. And read your Bible. Somebody shout hallelujah. Number two, fellowship. The second tool of the disciple is fellowship. Somebody shout fellowship. Fellowship in two parts. Number one, fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. You remember Acts chapter 4, verse number 13, the Bible says that they realized that they had been with Jesus. Fellowship is about being with Jesus in prayer, praise, and worship. In prayer, praise, and worship. The primary reason why he called them and designated them apostles. You remember the choosing of the 12 apostles of Jesus in Mark chapter 3. Verses 13 to 15. Mark chapter 3. Verses 13 to 15. The primary reason he did that. Was that. In verse number 14. That. They. Might be. With him. That's fellowship. Being with Jesus. In prayer. Praise. And worship. You must be a lover of this dimension of fellowship in your life. As a true disciple. It's one of your greatest tools that will help you deepen your relationship with Jesus. I'm talking to you, shout hallelujah. Mm. The second dimension of fellowship is fellowship with one another. Fellowship with the brethren. Fellowship with one another. Fellowship with the brethren. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47. Hebrews 10 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. We should never despise the fellowship of the local church. Never be friends with any so-called disciple who despises the place of the local church in the life of a believer. You know, some people say, no, no, it's not about going to church. I mean, you know, we are free to just be everywhere. It's not true, sir. Because when Peter and John were released, they went to their own company. They never just floated anywhere, sir. 
They went up. Put it there. Acts 4, 23. Acts 4, 23. Now, and being let go, they went to their own companions. They went to their own companions. King James will say they went to their own company. They went to their own fellowship. They went to their own local church. So there is a place for the local church in your Christian walk as a disciple of Jesus. Never be a stupid and foolish Christian who thinks that there is no place for the local church. No, everyone must belong to the local church, local fellowship, where you must be accountable. The local church gives us access to the leadership of the church that can sit us down if need be and correct us and guide us. And if you are part of such a local church, and you despise the counsel of the leadership of that local church, you are a fool. Because you are heading towards destruction. God has placed those leaders in that local church for your safety. For your safety. The Bible says they watch over our souls. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. They watch over our souls. That is their work. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls. And if they see that your soul is heading in the wrong direction, they have the right to sit you down. Because you are under their authority. I hope we'll find time to run a series on the subject, the church of God. Because some of you don't know that the church is a family. And every family has, a good, has got a father. Every family has got uncles, aunties. These are advisors in every properly organized family. Uncles are very important, especially when it comes to marital issues. Yeah. They will sit you down. And when the other party wants to meet the parents of the other side, it's the uncle. And you are there, you want to despise uncle. Now your pastor is more than your uncle, sir. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And so many of us have the tendency of not taking pastor's advice. No, I will not allow pastor to run my family. He's not running your family. He's just giving you advice. He's not running your family. He's just advising. You know, a pastor friend was telling me about one of his spiritual sons. When he came to him to say that, sir, I found a lady in the church I want to marry. So the pastor said, who is this sister? And he mentioned the name. And the pastor said, no. Don't. Uh -uh. What are you saying? The Bible says you must be born again. We, we, she's born again. Uh, uh, we must marry in the Lord. 
I'm marrying in the Lord. What is the problem? But you know, the beauty about fathers is that if you argue and argue, they give you what you want. That's a good father. They give you what you want. Even though he knows that this is not correct. So he said, okay, if that is your choice, we'll wed you. Today, the fellow is crying. His lament is, I wish I had listened to you, sir. Very powerful young man in the ministry. But the house is on fire, sir. The house is on fire. The pastor said, my friend, it is a problem. And he told him the problem. I will not say what he said. But he said, this is a problem. He said, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. We are men of faith. Yeah. You know, men of faith, you know. Yeah. So I told him, my reaction to the pastor was, please, pastor, just uh, encourage your son to continue enduring affliction until the day of salvation. The day of salvation could be either the day the wife is going to change or the day they will depart this world or the day of Jesus' second coming. But let him continue to endure affliction as a good soldier of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Somebody shout, I will value fellowship. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with the brethren. Hallelujah. Now, in Acts 2, verse 42 to 47, they continued breaking bread. The Bible says from house to house. From house to house. 43, 44, 45, 46, 47. Then fear came upon them all. Verse 44. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common. That's fellowship. And sought their possessions and goods. And divided them among all. As anyone had need. 46. So continuing daily. With one accord in the temple. Now here it is. And breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness. And simplicity of heart. Now. They. Upheld. The practice of home church gatherings that they send it from house to house that is why if you call yourself a true disciple of Jesus you must value fellowship with the brethren at whatever level at church level at service group level as well as at home church unit level don't be someone who thinks that you are so big, so anointed, so lofty, that you cannot attend home church meetings. 
Don't be someone like that. It's signification of pride and lack of knowledge. So it is a show of ignorance to despise home church meetings. It shows that you are unschooled and untrained. It may also mean that you are not a serious Christian. Hallelujah. So please let us belong to service groups in the church. Let us not despise home church meetings, local church services, service group meetings. Everyone in this church family must belong to a service unit. Is it making sense? If you have interest in music, we have the music ministry. You are interested in ushering, we have the ushering department. Everyone must belong to some service unit. Is it making sense here? Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Number three, therefore, the last one is talking about key tools for, this, that for the disciple, the word of God, fellowship. Number three is talents, skills, and gifts. Talents, skills, and gifts. True disciples will employ their talents, skills, and gifts in the promotion of the work of God. The master put it this way in Luke 19 and verse number 13. Luke 19 and verse number 13. He said, do business till I come. He gave them 10 talents. And after he gave them 10 talents, he said, do business with what I have given you. Whatever skills, whatever talents, whatever abilities, whatever gifts God has given you, whether by education or training or indeed by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, please employ what you have in the promotion of the work of God. A true disciple knows that he has work to do. And he is committed to doing it and doing it successfully. John chapter 4 and verse number 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And to finish his work. That is why I want to say again. That each one of us in this church should belong to one service group or another. Everyone, please. And I want to appeal to those we appointed as leaders of these various service ministries in the church. Don't turn that service unit into an exclusive club for yourselves. Is it making sense here? We appointed you leaders in those ministries so that you can assist us to accommodate as many people as are interested to serve God in that area so that they can be part of the service of the Lord in that grouping. Never protect the service unit as an exclusive club for you as a head of department 
your deputy and your committee members. Where you say in our language, the church manage. This is ours. You do that, you are not operating in the spirit of the church. Hallelujah. Your grouping must grow. The music department must grow. We want to see more numbers here. Because the challenge with just being few people, with being just with few people, for example, the press team has got only 10 people. This is only first service. Second service is coming. And I see that a number of you are people with so many responsibilities. So after service, you'll be sneaking out. Huh? Out of the 10, we want to remain with the guy on the keyboard and the guy on the drums. And not even one leading praise. So the guy on the keyboard will be calling for the microphone on the keyboard because there are no people. But what if we are 200? Even if 15 decided to misbehave, we would just say, now sit down. We would now become ushers or some other things. Don't be in the praise team. But if there are only 10, you take out five. So even if they misbehave, you are forced to allow them to continue. Every grouping must recruit more people. Don't turn service units. I'm facing here because the majority of the leaders are here. Don't turn the service unit into a, an exclusive club for yourselves. You see, year in, year out, you see the same fellow. Don't we have people in the church? Hmm? No, no, I'm asking, don't we have people? Somebody shout, we are here, we are available. I hope leaders are listening. Can you say that again, that we are here, we are available? Of course, when we make a call, you have to register. Some of you, before you joined this church, you were very active in certain ministries wherever you were. But when you came to PICC, you know what you told yourself? I'm going to PICC to rest. So you are there. You are very talented in certain things. I don't want to mention any area because you may think I'm targeting you. <laughs> All you tell yourself is, ah, no. That's not how they do decoration. No, 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 no. It's only that I came here to rest. Ah. Rest in peace. <laughs> this is not a place to rest. It is a place to work. So everyone must what? Work. Tell your neighbor it is time to work. 
No one came here to relax. If you know how to sing, go and join the choir. Is it making sense? If you are interested in uh, uh, media issues, you may say, I don't know anything, but look, they will train you. All these young men that are manning cameras, that's why I'm a bit patient with them. They are still in training. I know that there are several gaps. When I watch the video on YouTube, I see, no, 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 no this, is, this shouldn't be like this. But we allow it. And I believe that our online brothers and sisters are also patient with us. We have people in training. Yes, manning cameras and various operations of our media services. But at least you're able to hear us and I believe you're able to see me as well, which is very important. Hallelujah. So you can also do, don't say I am just a, a girl. No, no, no. These people are not old people. This, this young man here, this boy, he, very young. I've seen him grow, this one. This boy. Very, he was very small. Now he has grown. He's now manning the camera there. Yes. And you, old man. You know how to play the keyboard, but uh, and indeed maybe the guitar, but you are looking at the edges of the people that are in the press team. You say, ah, it's a youth press team. Do you think they are, they are not youth? Some of those that have got two children. Yes. Some of them have been married for over 10 years. 17 years. Yes. 17 years in marriage and you say say it's a youth president if you want to see a youth president come to the youth church that's where you will see now typical young people in the president so please regardless of the color of your hair it may be silver gray or what please if there is something you can do in the church please rise up and do it that's part and parcel of being a true disciple of Jesus. Don't say I am busy at the office. I don't think there are many as busy as, as me. And yet I'm here preaching to you. And my preaching shows that I had time to read the Bible. Huh? How is it sounding? Is it sounding like I just woke up one? Come on. So I came, I am one of the good examples of, of people to challenge those that are calling themselves busy. Because I think I'm among the busiest. And some of you know my position at the office. And you know that I'm not working for a street organization. Come on. So for you to be fooling yourself, like, hey, we are busy. Uh, uh, the time the press team is practicing, I am busy. Come on, create time. You see, one day you realize that you are in the grave. At that point, it will dawn on you that you didn't do anything for Jesus. It is time to work for God. 
This coming Sunday, we are going to circulate a sheet of paper where those of you that are not doing anything in the church, we want you to indicate what you want to be doing. Amen? Yes. You have to indicate. And then we will sit down with you to say, okay, now, now, go ahead. Do this. Yeah. And maybe if, if, if some of you don't respond, because we know what you can do. We are just being democratic. If you don't respond, we will force you. We say, you move from this department to this department because you belong here. Is it making sense? Hallelujah. Anyway, I've been away for some time, so that's why I'm talking too much. Okay, rise on your feet. Let's appreciate God, everyone. Give him thanks. Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him honor. Give him adoration. Bless him. Mark him, find him, celebrate him. How many are lifting their voices, please? How many are lifting their voices? Give him thanks. Give him praise. Give him honor. Give him adoration. Bless him. Shakata rikade masata rikadini basaya. Somebody begin to pray, Lord, help me become a true disciple. Help me. Make me. Turn me into a true disciple. Into a true disciple, into a true disciple. Turn me into a true disciple. Make me Lord. It takes his making for us to become. It takes his making for us to become. It takes his making. It takes his making for us to become. Father, make me Jesus, Master, Teacher, Rabbi. Teach me, Lord me. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, I give you praise. Lord, I give you glory. 
In Jesus precious name we have prayed. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Please don't come to the house of the Lord late. I know quite a number of us use public transport and sometimes you have no control. The only control is for you to leave home early. Amen. Don't leave home late because they will also drop you here late. Amen. Some of you that are trekking, you are trekking for the last time. Soon and very soon you will be driving your own cars. Yeah. It's true. Hallelujah. I also used to trek. I never started like my son who started life with a car. Yeah, because I made sure that he had a car. Eh? That's being a good father. Don't say I suffered. You also suffer. <laughs> yeah. So I checked, I checked, I checked, and it didn't look like we would have anything like a car. Amen. So when I tell you that those of you that are trekking, that you have driving licenses, your time to trek has come to an end. In the name of Jesus. If you don't have a driving license, I will not advise that God should give you a car. I will advise God to say, no, please, don't, don't, please. I'm actually advising God, appealing to the Father. So, please, he doesn't have a driving license, don't give him a what? Yeah. If you really want a car, you must go and get a what? Because if you get a car without a license, you know what is going to happen? You will fall into temptation to want to drive the car when you don't know yet how to change gears or you don't know enough to be on the roads of Malawi. So the end will be what? Disaster. But cars are coming to some people listening to me. In the name of Jesus Christ. I said in the name of Jesus. Please, I want you to pray. It's a very important, serious prayer. Father, give me the focus, resolve, and determination to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Lift your voice. How many are praying? Give me the focus, the resolve, and the determination. the resolve and determination to follow you to follow Jesus to follow Jesus to follow Jesus I want to be a true follower of Jesus in character in values, in thought in speech want to be a follower of Jesus. Let it be said that this man
has been with Jesus. 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 Shakata rakade basuta rigadale bahale. Shakata rigade bakuta rigadala bahata. Shakata rigade bakuta rigadia bahale. Shakata rigata bakuta rigade. Shakata rigade bakuta rigade basata rigade. If you are sick in your body, put your right hand on your forehead if you are not feeling well in your body. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for power for scop- to trample over scorpions, serpents, and all powers of the enemy. Right now, I exercise my God-given authority over you scorpions, serpents, and powers of the enemy. In the form of sickness, affliction, body pains, body pains, headaches, stomach upsets, ulcers, back pains, leg pains, shoulder pains, headaches. I curse in the name of Jesus. I trample over your sickness. I trample over your disease. I trample over your affliction. Get out in the name of Jesus. I break your power right now. I cast you out. 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 Online on ground. I cast you out. You are destroyed. You are destroyed. You are destroyed. In the name of Jesus. I declare you healed. I declare you free. Free from infirmity. Free from sickness. Free from disease. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's clap him for him, please. Now, if you are here, you are saying, Pastor, you've talked about true discipleship. I've looked at myself in terms of the qualities. I need help. Some of you may be saying, I'm not born again at all. Right from the first quality. Faith in Jesus, being born again, being saved. That is where I belong. I need it. Some of you may be saying, maybe it's number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, or number seven, or a couple of them. You're saying, Pastor, I need help. If that is you online on ground, lift your right hand. I want to pray with you very quickly. You want spiritual restoration or there is an area of struggle in your spiritual life and you are saying, Pastor, I need a prayer that will bail me out. If that is you, lift your hand and come forward. Okay, you follow me in this prayer. If you are in front here, church, you can assist them in the spirit of brotherly love and concern. You say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. 
today, right now, I declare that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my soul. And I shall walk with him all the days of my life. Today, I renounce every sin and compromise in the name of Jesus. Every plant in me, not planted by God, is now uprooted in the name of Jesus. I receive spiritual renewal. I receive the grace and the anointing to follow Jesus continually and consistently. I am a strong Christian. I shall walk in obedience, humility, and submission. I receive the determination to follow Jesus all the way. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Lord, lift your voice, everyone, please. Let's appreciate God. Father, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you adoration. We love you. We bless you. We exalt you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. Somebody clap for the King of Kings. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is well with everyone listening to me. Amen. I'm telling you the truth. Can I hear your louder shout of amen? amen. I said your louder shout of amen. amen. I said your louder shout of amen. amen. It shall be well with you all the days of your life. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May you never shed tears of sorrow. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Please, I'm talking to you. Can I hear a louder shout of amen? amen? Those of you that have been struggling financially, this week, may you receive a financial visitation. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I'm talking to you. Can I hear you loud? A shout if I'm made here. If you know that you know that your hands are handling money this week, clap them to the King of Kings. Now, Psalm 23 and verse number 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you.